We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. With the third pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select LaMelo Ball from Chino Hills, California. TJ. Oh, oh my goodness! Stunning! With the pass! Devontae Steve! Oh my goodness! Oh, I don't believe it! A 35-9 already! All right, everyone. Welcome to another BuzzBeat, your Charlotte Hornets podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This is Richie, and we have another good episode for you guys today. But before we get started, wanted to remind you guys of a couple of things. Number one, if you're listening right now and haven't given us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we'd appreciate it if you could. You don't even have to pause the episode. Just go to our page on your phone, scroll down. It takes all of 30 seconds to do. Uh, we've been enjoying your support so far, so keep sharing our episodes on social media. It definitely goes a long way for us. Also, we've put out several episodes over the past week. If you wanted a lighthearted episode where you can test your Hornets knowledge, your Bobcats knowledge, check that out from last Wednesday where Brian and I put my wife through some trivia. And uh, if you want a more uplifting episode, we released one on Monday night or Monday morning, excuse me, recapping Gordon Hayward's game winner over the Magic uh, when he hit that on Sunday night. Um, Having said all that, we do have a great guest for the episode today, but uh, let's first check in on Brian. BG, how's everything going? Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I've had, uh, this has not been, uh, the best week in the world. Uh, <laughs> fair amount, just a lot of basketball to watch, which that's always a good thing, but I don't know, man, was randomly involved. I won't spend too much time complaining about this because we should actually talk some basketball, but was, uh, was the randomly involved in a like fender bender hit and run, uh, while I was not in my car in downtown Raleigh the wow. other day. So really lots of fun on the phone with insurance the last couple of days. It's been really just a blast. Me and Jake from State Farm, are, uh, we're like this though now after uh, the last two days. But other than that, I'm doing good. Lots, plenty to be thankful for. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in, man. Yeah. How about you guys? Doing good, doing good. And, and joining us today uh, is the co-host of the Open Floor Podcast, and he's an NBA writer for Sports Illustrated and GQ. We have Michael Pina on the call with us today. Michael, thanks for joining us, and how's it going? Going great, guys. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. We're doing good. Now, question for you. Uh, to get that gig at GQ, did you have to like go through some kind of fashion uh, modeling session <laughs> for you to get that job? 
Uh, well, I've always been, I think, pretty sartorially uh, sound in my decisions. <laughs> so it wasn't uh, an issue for me when I first started there, which was good. But now I'm, I'm actually full time at Sports Illustrated. So no more, unfortunately, no more contributing to oh, really? GQ for the time being. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that, that's good news that you're full-time over at SI. Um, we brought you on to discuss your latest piece from SI about the Hornets offense. It's titled LaMelo Ball's Influence on the Hornets Passing Attack. Very fascinating piece. Uh, a lot of interesting tidbits about the, the offense and how it stacks up historically uh, to other offenses. And I think I can speak for all the Hornets fans that are listening out there, uh, when I say it's it's nice to see some national coverage on this team. But before we dig in deeper, Michael, um, I, I can't imagine even you as a national writer have been watching a ton of Hornets basketball up until this point. Was there a specific game this season that you can point to that you were like, hey, this is the one that I am interested in and it's going to start my writing process for this piece? Was there a specific game that stood out in your mind? Uh, to be honest with you, Richie, like I try to watch every team quite a bit, Charlotte Hornets included. So I'll watch, you know, I've watched a bunch of the Cavs this season. The Cavs have actually been okay defensively yeah. and actually not as bad as I anticipated. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, Kings, I, I mean, I can find a reason to watch just about any team, even the Detroit Pistons this year. I'm actually wearing a Pistons hoodie right now because my wife is from Michigan, but, um, I'll, yeah, like I, I, I try to seek out the most intriguing and fascinating attributes from every team. I think every team has players worth, uh, worth pondering, worth investigating, worth analyzing, worth watching. Um, and that for sure includes Charlotte who, I mean, heading into this season, obviously you add Gordon Hayward with the humongous contract and I'm from Boston. So I'm very familiar with, uh, with Gordon and what he can bring to the table when healthy. And then also LaMelo Ball, who is just this huge question mark coming into the draft, it, you know, plays overseas in a bunch of different countries and uh, just wasn't sure exactly how he would fit into the NBA and what he could bring to the table and wanted to see if his passing in particular was up to snuff. And it turns out it is. So it's really, it's been a lot of fun to watch him in particular coming off the bench for the Hornets. And, and speaking of those two players, how, how do you think the selection of LaMelo Ball and the acquisition of Hayward is going to help this franchise, not necessarily on the court, but just off the court in terms of gaining more attention for this team? Yeah, I mean, Hayward is an all-star this season. Like, there's no, I don't know if there's going to be an all-star game. Maybe there is. He deserves to play in it if there is one, or at least qualify and in name if there isn't. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been terrific. And I think that when you impact winning like he does, like at the end of the day, winning is how you get people to pay attention to your product. And so the Charlotte Hornets obviously have not had the type of success you would want over the past however many years. Um, and you add players like Gordon. Uh, and I think you can get back on that track towards making playoff appearances in the future while he's on this contract potentially. And then it depends obviously on some of the development of the younger pieces, but like Terry Rogier has played pretty good basketball. Devontae Graham has overcome an early season shooting slump to play some pretty good basketball of late. And when it comes to LaMelo, he hasn't really impacted winning. I guess like he's a, he's a rookie, so you don't anticipate him to impact winning right away to a, a great degree. 
but he is a ball brother and anyone who uh, like lives in this country and watches basketball as much as you guys do. And I do, we're familiar and fascinated by the ball family. And so uh, that particular quality just can't go overlooked. And I think a lot of people were really curious to see just how good he would be if he would be better than Lonzo, if he would be worse than Lonzo, if his game was similar, if he could have a similar type of impact or a greater impact. And, you know, watching that unfold so far, it's obviously very early, but it's fascinating to see. It's very intriguing. And, and it's a lot of fun too, because he has a, a particular style that is very, very unique. Yeah. I would, I would totally agree with you in, in the sense that say what you will about the market size. I think Charlotte's kind of middle of the pack when it comes to market size, but the on-court product is really what's going to gain that national exposure and, and bringing in an all-star like Gordon Hayward. And to your point, having a ball brother on your team is only going to get more eyes on, on the team and on the franchise. Speaking specifically to your article, you highlighted a very fascinating stat, assist points per 100 possessions. Uh, that number at the time of your article when you wrote it about a week ago was at 69.4, which was actually the second highest in terms of the last 20 years right behind uh, Golden State. So stylistically, last season, the Hornets relied heavily on on pick-and-roll offense with Devontae Graham. And really outside of P.J. Washington, I looked this up today, it seems as though most of the prominent players on this roster, the amount of time that they spend touching the ball has gone down. So mm-hmm. what type of influence are you seeing from the Spurs coaching staff in one in which Borrego used to be on, on his team today? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I wrote about it in the article a little bit, the 0.5 mentality of when you catch a ball, you have 0.5 seconds to shoot or pass or drive or just make a decision. Mm -hmm. And so I think you see a lot of that with this team. Um, You know, James Borrego was with, not only with the Spurs for 10 years under Greg Popovich, but also I believe he was with with Monty Williams uh, in New Orleans for a little bit before this tenure in Charlotte. And Monty Williams has the exact same uh, philosophy in Phoenix right now. And, you know, they want to move the ball as much as they possibly can. And they have a lot of really good passers who help them do that. And Phoenix was, I believe, second in assist rate last season. And I'm not positive where they are right now, but I'm pretty sure they're up there. Yeah, they're top five. I'm looking at it. Um, So, yeah, just the philosophy of trying to get everybody involved, trying to make the defense shift from side to side. Lamelo is really good at that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he makes the flashy passes, but he also just works it around the perimeter. And a lot of guys do that. A lot of guys want to see everybody else succeed. They've bought in to uh, to that system and that general philosophy. And when I mean, it's just like a fundamental thing with basketball, when you move the ball, uh, it's harder to guard than just a guy, one guy holding it and dribbling and, and trying to create so much by himself. So even though we haven't really seen a reflection necessarily in, you know, a top 10 offensive rating, I think, you know, some of that is them not making shots, some of the just various different reasons, but like, usually when you move the ball around and you have an incredibly high assist rate, good things happen. So hopefully they can keep that up and good things will eventually happen. At the very least, they're interesting to watch. So to your point, they might not be putting the ball in the basket, but at the very least, they're interesting to watch. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I, I always like with, um, you know, watching the Hornets since since JB got to Charlotte, just like there are even just smaller little instances of Spurs influence and you see the run, you know, wedge pick and roll. I think JB's playbook is, has perhaps diversified and expanded a, a decent amount over the last two years. But just you see these little bits of the the Spursian system that you've seen, you know, Tony Parker and Manage Nobly run. And it's always it was always a bit trippy, even that year one when you would see Tony Parker run those empty sides, what empty side uh, wedge pick and roll sets like he was still um, in San Antonio. But, um, Michael, you know, look, I know it hasn't been a one man show, but you listed LaMelo Ball in the title of your article for a reason. He's, he's incredibly impressive as a, a passer, both in full court with those hit ahead looks and transition. Those are, you know, he beats the cameras often. Uh, mm-hmm. can't just, I feel like the production staff off time, off, off, uh, off the game. And a lot of these, a lot of these live ball moments, cause, cause they're ready to, you know, cut to someone who's jogging back on defense, then they'll miss, you know, LaMelo zinging a, a laser in the opposite direction. But I think the, the half court pick and roll playmaking has had some ups and downs, but been pretty good in generally speaking, pretty good overall. Generally speaking, you know, what have you based off what you've seen from LaMelo this season or what you may have even thought about him pre-draft and given the makeup of Charlotte's roster, it's, it's cap sheet, what it's books look like, you know, why is he such an ideal fit for this offense and for like the franchise moving forward? Well, I mean, it's really interesting that they got him with the pieces that were already in place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you obviously have Rogier, you have Devante Graham, who had a breakout year last year, should have been most improved player, in my opinion. And you would think that Lamelo would just kind of start right away as just the starting point guard. They'd put the ball in his hands, they'd give him the keys, they'd let him go. That has not been the case. And I think that's long-term a benefit to him. It's a benefit to the organization. Um, You know, you bring in Gordon Hayward, who is a wing who, I mean, passing is Gordon's best suit, is is his best quality, in in my opinion, and his willingness to kind of use his size um, and leverage it in ways to make others better. Um, He's either a pick and roll playmaker or just someone who's willing to get off of it right away. Um, or someone who can attack a closeout. So, like, I think that the way that LaMelo can help now is what he's doing off the bench and kind of giving a spark a little bit. Um, But I guess, like, long-term, it's going to be really interesting just to see, uh, you know, will they constantly have these type of players around LaMelo Ball, Um, meaning guards and and, um, other players who are effective with the ball in their hands um, or, you know, are you going to eventually see a, a, a roster that is more 
you know, guys who do not need the basketball in their hands, guys who are large wings, who can knock down threes, who can cut a little bit off the ball, who can impact from the weak side, who can rebound, defend length, et cetera. Um, it's going to be really interesting. Like, are they going to build? I don't know if LaMelo is the type of player who you want to build around, like the Dallas Mavericks have built around, uh, built their team around Luka Doncic or something like that. Someone who has an extremely high usage. I don't know if that's going to be LaMelo. It's going to be really interesting to see if that's the kind of the, the philosophical attack that they take going forward. Yeah, it is like the, he differs from Luca in this way that, you know, Luca's so big. He's, you know, he's obviously his deceleration skills are amazing in the final third of the court. It makes him just a, that ideal sort of like wing finisher situation and leverage moments. And, you know, maybe LaMelo gets there at some point, but you know, right now there's this weird, there, it's it's like a good it's a good problem to have, but it's like how do you build you know how are you going to build a roster around this sort of like heliocentric guard that but that's going to struggle to finish at the rim. Um, and, you know what are the what are the optimal pieces around that? But uh, to that end, um, in the second unit with Lamelo, we've seen um, Miles Bridges. Those guys have been basically tethered together so far mm-hmm. this season, um, and they've paired pretty well. Uh, there's there's an obvious chemistry between those two. Pick and rolls, slip, transition. You know, Bridges is the certainly the best guy on this roster to go up and, and catch an alley-oop. And maybe you can, we can mention Malik Monk in that, but he's been really on the outskirts of the rotation. And that's mm-hmm. probably putting it um, lightly. lightly yeah. uh, you know, what do you think this means as far as, I, I guess we sort of talked on this um, a little bit, but just how important do you think it is to center... Lamelo with these types of 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 play finishers. I think ultimately you can't like optimize a roster on this guy until you have at least like one true rim runner in the middle. Miles is like the closest sort of facsimile to that this year, but that's you know he's more of like a spot up closeout beater. They're just using him in sort of different ways, and he's skilled so he can do different stuff. But what are your general thoughts about the sort of like the optimal player types to put around Lamelo beyond this season? Yeah. I mean, you know, a seven footer who can dive, who can protect the rim. That's an interesting piece around him. If he's Mm -hmm. going to be just high volume pick and roll for sure. Um, I like Miles Bridges next to LaMelo Ball. I I mean, just an absolute freak athlete. But at the same time, I like P.J. Washington. Um, Mm -hmm. I I love the lineups that Charlotte goes to with P.J. at the five. I think that's really smart. Um, And, you know, P.J. is someone who can – he's not really shooting the three ball that well this season, but I think he's uh, – I'm not putting too much stock in his three-point percentage this year. I think he's long-term a fine enough outside shooter, someone who can uh, post up mismatches. Um, if you run pick and roll with LaMelo and PJ and there's a switch, like is, PJ is just going to punish whoever is uh, on his backside. So, I mean, I like those two pieces. Uh, I think long-term, you know, undersized guys like Devante, uh, are going to be really tricky to just play, especially in like high leverage uh, situations and crunch time against a really good team that can attack you defensively. Um, I think that that is a, maybe a reason why uh, they run more zone right now than anybody uh, in the NBA by a pretty significant margin. I know obviously Cody Zeller being out impacted that as well, but I wonder, you know, when you have an undersized guard like that, uh, just what it does to your defense in a playoff series or again, in a crunch time situation. So 
Um, so yeah, I think size matters, shooting matters, athleticism definitely matters. Guys who can get up above the rim, uh, like Bridges. Um, and I mean, one of the great qualities about Lamelo though is that he makes guys around him so much better. He just creates opportunities for like people who are really smart, who know when to cut baseline, like Gordon, he'll find you. And uh, as we saw last night against the Orlando Magic, like some of the passes Lamelo ball throws are just like. They're, they're just a joy to watch. So like, he can make any type of player better, but mm-hmm. to thrive, I think, athleticism, shooting, just like the, the type of skills that uh, most teams are after right now, those are those are pretty helpful for Lamella. Kind of going off script here, you mentioned zone. It feels like the Hornets are playing a ton of zone, and I don't know if they're doing it at a necessity, which I think it partly is, or if they're just doing it because he thinks that that's the best way to stop the opponents. What is your overall thoughts on, on a zone defense? I mean, I think it's matchup dependent, really. Who else, who are you playing? Is the opponent not effective behind the three-point line? Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, sure, it goes on. Make them beat you. Um, you know, there was a game, I want to say it was against the Mavericks, where they were zone heavy early on, and Luca was just waltzing to the rim. And I was like, all right, this is clearly not working. And Borrego called a couple timeouts and was not pleased with the execution. Mm-hmm. So you can't just go zone and rely on it, especially if guys aren't, you know, one of the things about the Miami heat, when they go zone or win zone last year, in particular, you put Andre Iguodala at the top, you put DJJ at the top. That's a lot of length, a lot of uh, an ability to be super disruptive uh, you know, 30 feet from the basket is huge. And so, you know, I don't know if Charlotte necessarily has the personnel to do the same thing uh, as consistently. Um, they have a top 10 defense or a defense right outside the top 10 right now, I believe. So the zone, as much as they're doing it, is not killing them. But, you know, I think it's a good way to change things up change up a pace of a game, uh, get an offense that's in rhythm, out of rhythm. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's your base defense, I think that you'll eventually get carved up, particularly, you know, against some of these, uh, you know, you play the Brooklyn Nets and KD cuts to uh, the nail and just pops open 15 footers all night long. You're screwed. So, you know, you can't do it against everybody for sure. Mm -hmm. But um, generally speaking, I think it's, it's been effective for them. Yeah, I I loved in the first game with Kyrie, Harden, and Durant together that Cleveland was so – I guess that was last Wednesday. They went so heavy on zone. And I thought, to your point of it being a situational thing, a matchup thing, it's like you've got this – you know, it's not even a fully formed roster, and they're trying to incorporate all these new you know, high-usage items together – and I just thought this throwing the zone at them was such a great idea. You know, they're they're hoping they can they can spread it out and run, you know, 75 pick and rolls. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden they gotta go up against the zone. It's just a totally different um, you know, totally different animal. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with you guys. It's it's a very situational thing. Clearly, no one in the NBA plays more zone than man, but it, it just feels like the Hornets rely on it a little bit too much. And if you look at some of the like uncontested corner three shots, like they give up a ton. And a lot of it yeah. is due to the fact that these teams are getting into the middle. Hornets collapse and they kick it out for a corner three. Uh, but transitioning back to the offense, the uh, kind of like where your piece was focused on, we've definitely seen this new style of offense with the Hornets. And I was hoping that their their half-court offense in the numbers were a little bit better this year. J- just based off of the eye test, I thought they would have been. I mean, they have improved, but it's been you know very slight. But where we've seen the biggest improvement, and obviously LaMelo Ball plays a huge role in this, has been in transition, uh, whether that's off steals or whether that's off of 
you know, rebounds, he's going to grab it and go. Uh, where, where do you think he ranks currently in the NBA in terms of just, or who are some of those players that he ranks up there with in terms of making that home run pass? Like you got Jokic, like who are the other ones that can make that type of pass? Yeah. I mean, Jokic at the top of my head, LeBron is just yeah. genius at it. Um, James Harden last season in particular was really good. Um, and who else, was that? Did I want to say here? Oh, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is just so good um, throwing those full length um, baseball passes. Um, but LaMelo, I mean, to the thing is like, I'm, you know, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I'm writing this article about the magic right now. And one of the things that uh, Steve Clifford coach teams uh, never do is throw home run passes. Like they are so protective of the basketball and they are so all about, you know, preserving your defense. And if you turn it over on a pass like that, you know, obviously when you, when you commit a turnover, you're susceptible and transition the other way. So uh, it's just like really funny to watch, you know, and Clifford was the coach of the Hornets before yes. to see, like, I wonder if he was still the coach would Lomelo still have, have this type <laughs> of freedom. Yeah. Uh, it, it's something funny to think about, but like to let him go and, and accentuate his own strengths with passes like that. Um, and I'm sure he feels really confident uh, in their offense and, and, and his ability to get those passes off on time and on target. Um, he's great at it. And, mm-hmm. you know, those passes are like the most fun to watch, I think, you know, as uh, outside when the camera doesn't catch them, which is a <laughs> bummer, but yeah. Um, yeah, but no, they're, they're great. And he's, he's really effective at them. Last question on LaMelo here. Um, he's coming off the bench and you mentioned this a little bit earlier in the podcast. He's only seeing about 25 minutes a night. As far as young pieces, especially the number you know number three overall pick, many people are clamoring for this guy to get out on the court, and I think a lot of it has to do with just the ball family. There's a lot of ball fans, uh, and you know when Devontae Graham is struggling, the first thing that you'll see on Twitter is why isn't Lamelo starting? So, what is your take on the situation, and does it make does it make sense to you that Borrego is slowly working him into you know to the starting unit, or just? giving them a little bit more minutes as the season progresses here, because I think most people would have assumed number three overall pick, you're going to be starting day one. Yeah, this is kind of a tricky question to answer just because there's more things that go into it than just on off numbers and Lamelo's on off numbers aren't very good. And, but like also to just put someone in the starting lineup who's a rookie over two guys who started last year and Devante had a really good season and, you know, Terry Rozier has this big contract. And so demoting one of them to the bench, uh, sometimes stuff like that just doesn't sit well in a locker room and you can lose guys. And so, um, I think it's pretty smart. I think I like how they've played this, even though those three, together, those three guards, when they're on the court, they're really successful um, in a small sample size. And that's something that maybe they can explore a little bit more going forward. Maybe you put Gordon at the four. Uh, I'm just like a fiend for lineups like that. So I want to see that. Um, But I don't think there should be any rush necessarily to start LaMelo. I mean, like I said earlier, I don't know how much he impacts winning versus those other guys. And so if you are trying, if you believe that you can make the playoffs as I think Charlotte should have that belief this early in the season, 
um, despite some other plucky teams in the Eastern Conference that they're going to be battling with to try to get into that play in. Um, right now, like you should be trying to win and uh, it's it kind of would do a disservice to your organization in the short term if you started LaMelo just for the sake of giving him more minutes. Um, that said, I think I also would like to see him, you know, eventually uh, close more games. You know, he's not really on the yeah. floor too much in the fourth quarter, which is really interesting. But but again, like he's a rookie. This is like the first month of his career. There's a lot of time. We don't need to to rush through this. Uh and put him in a spot that maybe he's not ready for. But, but yeah, I think like generally what we've seen so far is it's, it's good to see. Yeah. He's just 19 years old. Like uh, I'm not, I get that this is like the name of the game or whatever, but the, the constant uh, discussion on whether he should start or not start or sort of evaluating his performance on a night to night basis is not, I get it. It's just like in general, not, not not super concerning to me. Um, it, but or, it's or crazy else. how heavy that conversation is on Twitter, though, bro. Oh like yeah, just, I know, I know. It's just like it's just it is. I don't know. It feels a little reductive. Um, I, I'm all for talking about Lamelo, but I think there are like sort of more interesting ways to shape uh, to, to to discuss Lamelo. But but you're right. Like I get that. It's like everyone who follows this team is, is, is wondering, you know, if, and when it's going to happen. Um, one guy who is definitely a starter uh, for Charlotte is Gordon Hayward. He's been really good this year. We discussed some of this earlier, but just efficient offense, um, some on ball creation, 25% usage rate, a four level score. You know, look, he's obviously not the athlete he once was back at his you know, pre-injury days in Utah when, you know, Quinn Snyder used to design Al Ute blob, lobs for Gordon Hayward. Those days are in the past, but you know, you, you mentioned you're from Boston. Um, mm-hmm. I know you've you covered him when he was playing for the Celtics. Did you see this level of performance from Gordon Hayward after the last two seasons in Boston? Basically, did you just think he needed, you know, a new role and more usage to sort of unlock the, I, I guess what I would say is like the best basketball you could imagine him playing sort of like at the back end of his prime. I mean, I think right now he's like totally pain free from everything yeah. I'm reading. And mm-hmm. so that's an obvious factor here. I mean, he had a surgery on his foot, I believe, um, to kind of repair some nerve issue mm-hmm. that he was dealing with all of last season that was unreported. And so if you're feeling great, then you're going to play better. So, uh, you know, his time in Boston was injury riddled, obviously, when he was healthy. I thought he played at a borderline all-star level, considering that he was on the floor with other very good players who also demanded the ball and demanded uh, a lot of touches. Um, I I got to be honest, like I didn't expect him to play this well um, in Charlotte. Uh, but like I said, like he's... Uh, like you, you, you cite the 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 uh, downturn in the athleticism, which is only natural because he's thirty now, and he was what yeah. twenty six, twenty five when he was an all star um, in Utah. But like the burst that he had on that go ahead bucket a couple nights ago against um, against the Magic was like I had not seen that uh, pretty much throughout his entire tenure with the Celtics. Yeah. <laughs> so like that type of athletic, that's a different type of athleticism than just like the airborne, those yeah. lots that you were setting that Quinn Snyder used to draw up. Um, but like, he's, he's got it and he looks, mm-hmm. he looks terrific. Uh, I don't know if we would have seen this player had he resigned in Boston because of 
the context of the roster and what has been asked of him. But it's just it goes to show like situation and, and role are so important in the NBA. And I'm really happy for Gordon and I'm happy he's playing as well as, as he is. Yeah, it, it, situations matter more than than I think we can even quite uh quite quantify at this point but um Hayward is certainly one one example of that uh we talked about Devonte Graham a little bit earlier in this podcast been better as of late this season um he's still launching threes albeit more of those looks are coming from off the catch this season but he's shooting those at uh in the high 30s which is you like to see um continues to struggle from the mid range, continues to struggle at the rim. I thought he left some sort of meat on the bone in the last two games against Orlando playing against a lot of minutes against a, you know, a deep drop in, in Vucevic. Um, I think there were some concerns about, you know, what adding Mello could do to Graham uh, after he had such a great season during his sophomore, sophomore year in the league. Um, you know, however, there was also some optimism that adding a guy like LaMelo could sort of stabilize things for DG, which we referenced the you know the catch and shoot numbers. I think we've seen that in um, mm-hmm. in some ways. But looking over the course of the season, just thoughts on Devonte as he's in his final year of his rookie contract. You know, working on working you know, long term or short term or intermediate term partnership with Lamelo, and maybe sort of like ultimately, what kind of role does Devonte Graham sort of you know speak out to you? Where he eventually settles as a as like a you know full time NBA player. Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I Devontae Graham obviously came out of nowhere, at least for me personally, uh, last season. I thought uh, that that's for everyone, Michael. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um I thought he should have been most improved player, as I said earlier. Um like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Brian, with uh, you know, him he maybe should have attacked the deep drop a little bit more with against Vooch and that shot is there for him. I think uh, obviously the shooting slump to start this season was really, really bad. Um, He has, uh, I mean, he's impaired because of his size and I think the issues really spread to the defensive end. And I just go back to how, like what is valued when you want to win at a high level in the NBA and what the threshold is for offensive production. If you are that small, like I honestly think that you need to be as good or better than Kemba Walker um, mm-hmm. was last season. Um, you need to be like, if you want to be that small and play big minutes on a very good team, uh, you need to be just like a plus elite offensively, like, uh, you know, yeah. bringing up guys like Steph or Dame, like I don't think Devante is ever going to get to that level, but uh, <laughs> like, you know, I, there is, I think a place for him for sure in the league though, given that he can pull up off the bounce um, and stretch defenses that way. I don't know if that's going to be 34 minutes a night on a playoff team or a really good team that can have home court in the playoffs or anything like that. But, you know, off the bench, um, he could be like a sixth man of the year candidate, honestly. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I don't know where that's going to be, where that's going to take place. Maybe it's in Charlotte, maybe it's elsewhere. Um, but I'm a big fan of his game in general. I'm a big fan of him. Um, and uh, it's good to see him kind of bounce back a little bit from the struggles from earlier this season. 
Yeah, or those Lamelo fans would be uh, clamoring even more. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've always said that he he's got to find a way to develop something inside the three point line, whether that's the floater or the mid range. I don't ever think he's going to be that great at the rim just because of his size. But uh, he's got to get something down, something down inside the three point line. So last question here before we let you go: uh, Charlotte is currently twelfth in the East. I guess if you want to get technical, they are tied for for tenth at a record of seven and 10 here. Uh, but when it's all said and done, if you had to put money on it, where do you think Charlotte finishes this season in the East? Will they be a play-in team? Great question. <laughs> Great question. Yeah. Um, the cusp there. Feels I like mean, it's really interesting because, you know, you say they're 12th, but what are they like half a game back mm-hmm. of the eighth seed? I, I think yes. right now. Yes. So it's like, correct. It is a jumbled mess. I mean, you have, we talked about Orlando. The Knicks are like out of nowhere. I don't know if that's sustainable. <laughs> um, the Raptors and the Heat, teams that are really good, were really good last year. Yeah. Um, you know, they're right around either the same record or even a worse record than Charlotte right now. So, like, you think that they'll come along and make a little bit of a push. You think that Cleveland might drop off? That's like your hope, the team that is currently in the playoff frame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's just, it's really, really, really crowded. Um, so it's tough to pick any of those teams and be like, yeah, I'm confident that they will uh, either make the playoffs or even compete in the play-in game. Um, when I look at the East right now, the only two teams that I'm just like, I'm I'm completely writing off are the Detroit Pistons and uh, the Washington Wizards. Um, so that's what, 13 teams for eight spots? Like it's, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, I think they'll need definitely to up their, uh, first of all, you need health for sure. Um, and you need to hope for, not hope for, but, uh, you know, uh, that other teams don't have the same type of luck yeah. that you do on the injury front. Um, and your offense just has to be better than it's been. You have to hit more shots. I know that sounds really dumb, but that's kind of what it is right now because their effective field goal percentage is not where you would like it to be mm-hmm. if you're a playoff team, uh, given that they, they don't have an elite defense. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hitting shots is a great start. And, uh I don't know. I think they'll be in it though. They'll be in the conversation for a, a long while because of just the style that they play. Um, and I think they're really well coached and I think they have a lot of really talented pieces. Um, but there's other really good teams out there or teams that have been struggling that I think will bounce back that could keep them out of the playoff picture. It's funny. I'm looking at the wizards right now. They're, they're three and nine. They've played 12 games so it's, far. It feels like they've played less. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, Michael, thank you for joining us today. Before we end this episode, I'm going to give you the floor to promote your social media and any articles you have going on uh, in the works. Oh, cool. Thanks so much, man. Um, I guess, you know, just follow me on Twitter if you'd like at Michael V. Pina. Um, I, like I said earlier, I'm writing this article about the Orlando magic for, I think tomorrow on SI, hopefully we can get that edited. And, uh, yeah, beyond that, I just write a lot. So check out that. <laughs> and, oh yeah. Subscribe to the, uh, the open floor podcast also. All right, guys, if you guys are listening right now and haven't read Michael's latest piece on LaMelo and Borrego's pass heavy offense, that will be in the episode notes for your reading pleasure. For Michael, for Brian, I am Richie, and we will see you guys next time. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.